The swellest boys in the Star Wars universe. Po 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 boys. Boys. I'm Pete. Boys. This is Josh. Boys. I'm Josh. This is Po Boys. Special season finale edition. First ever season. First and only ever edition of. First and only. First and only. Season one, episode 20, 21, Star Wars 18. <laughs> 18 of Star Wars Resistance, No Escape, El Part Parto Dos, Part Two. Who'd have thunk we'd finally made it this far? I remember when this podcast was just something that Peter talked about getting mugs made of. And then I remember when we had our little speculation nations, there was no trailer. We had po boy we, theater. We had a logo and a small picture of BB eight from which we tried to extrapolate what the entire aesthetic of the show would be. We dedicated an entire episode to team uh, aces. Where yeah. We only saw about 30 seconds <laughs> Of various also, aces. <laughs> also, we dedicated more time to those freaking characters in that episode than this show dedicated to those characters. I just like how they gave, at the start of the show, they did a whole little, like, oh, meet team aces, and then they yeah. showed all of the voice cast, and the voice yeah. cast, like, has to do, like, oh, here is this person, here is, you know, um, oh my gosh, their names are, they, they're not Griff in the show Halloran. enough. Uh, Freya, Freya, yeah. Um, Hype phase on, Tordoza, Bo Keevil, boom. That's all of them. That's all of them. I got it back. I'm back, baby. That's pretty good because the show, in no way, shape, or form, makes you want to remember any of their names other than Tora. And well, Hype I think Faison. Hype constantly saying his own name helps, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll get to a little bit more on that later. So far as uh, what we did and didn't get out of the background of some of these aces. And who knows, but, maybe we'll even do a commentary uh, cast of our previous episodes, like our best episodes leading up to this. That sounds like a bearable idea. Really? That sounds, that sounds listenable. <laughs> oh, um, cool. I mean, I was just shooting. I was just like throwing <laughs> stuff out there. But yeah, great yeah. job, bud. I mean, it makes I understand why you're in a big idea mode. Um, and I can understand why you would feel the need to like. Kind of pull your own weight, comfort yourself, observe the po' boys, you know, first money equals or whatever, you know, we're both, you know, po' boys, po' boy nation, blah, 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 co-host, yada, yada, yada. Um, some of you may have muted po' boys on Twitter recently because I finally sat down and I watched Force Awakens and The Last Jedi back to back and like synced one up in my Blu-ray player and the other one up in my PlayStation 4 so that I could just hit switch on the input right before it hit the credits on Last Jedi, and or right before it hit the credits on Force Awakens, and then immediately go into the opening crawl on Last Jedi. Like, boom, boom. So, like, one big, long movie with a very clumsy fumbling in the middle. And I, of course, tweeted about the whole thing, much to the joy of our followers, I guess. Um, I don't know. I don't know if anybody really paid attention. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Mark Hamill liked one of our tweets. No big deal. Oh, yeah. I forgot about yeah, that. Oh, yeah. That. Oh, you forgot. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty big deal. That was a, yeah. That was, a, that was a pretty big deal because Mark Hamill, 
I don't know if you know this, but he has... Let's see how many followers he has on Twitter. I'm looking it up. Easily tens. Tens? Mm-hmm. Josh and, I were, Josh and I were not math majors in college. 3.05 million followers. Oh. Now, he has liked 259,000 likes. <laughs> <laughs> so let's not – let's not – um. That's an insane amount of likes. Oh, my gosh. That's like Christopher Sean-level likes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, they're both uh, gentlemen trying to spread the love, and some of that love got spread to us, which was great, because while I was live-tweeting those two movies, not just Pete, but another friend of mine both texted me out of nowhere, Are you okay? <laughs> So you can go back and check those tweets out at some point. They're great, obviously. I don't know. I thought I was doing a great job. It was hashtag 7 to 8, a.k.a. hashtag, you know, V-I-I-T-O-V-I-I-I, 7 to 8. I did a great job. Mark Hamill liked it. It was great. It was a great accomplishment. I did mean, you make up that, that hashtag, or is that because— Of course I like, made up the hashtag. It really seems like people were following that hashtag. That's because I was tweeting with it every second for five hours. <laughs> I was the media. Yes, I was. And I got Mark Hamill to like a tweet about Luke Skywalker and LOSD. And so I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty jazzed about all that. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't like stuff that often except for... <laughs> Two hundred and fifty nine hundred thousand. Well, I mean, of the one tweet I sent him, he liked it. I don't know how many tweets of yours he's liked. I mean, I guess. I mean, mine might be one out of whatever hundred thousands. I don't know how many out of those of yours he liked. I don't know. He liked my tweet. I don't know if he liked your tweet ever or not. But I know he liked mine. I don't know. The road to celebration begins. It has begun. Next week, n- next week you're gonna hear our little pregame show. When did we um, record that? That was like that was it was at least this year, right? It was in 2019. At it least. was in 2019. But it, it, is, was, it is a while. It ago. was like an hour long episode, mm-hmm. but we made so many things that have already been like figured out. Mm-hmm. So like we were speculating, like, oh, when are they gonna allow for you to buy autographs? And we're like, oh yeah, we're speculating and. Oh. <laughs> So there's like a solid like 15, 20 minutes of like, what's going to be here? What's going to be here? Um, and complaining about lines. There's a lot of complaining about lines. Um, yeah. Eloquently, a, for sure. But. Yeah. But I mean, we're going to hit you up. What we do hit you up with is some expectations and uh, basically helping you schedule what's going to happen. Yeah, kind of very basic stuff. I mean, obviously, there are people out there who have been to wait. Peter and I have only been to one, and we cover this in the episode, but we've only been to one Star Celebration. I've been to a few other bigger comic conventions and stuff like that, New York Comic Con and things. But, I mean, we're we're not experts here, but we did learn, I feel like, some very basic things that you might not think about if it's your first big rodeo. So there, I, I would like to think that, you know, if you're trying to get the lay of the land, there might be some stuff. And, hey, you know what? If you're going to Star Celebration, you listen to that episode, and it's not it's gonna be next week. And you still got some questions or something, or you're worried about your Star Wars Celebration experience, maybe send us a freaking email so we can finally have an email already. Mark Campbell likes our tweet. We can't even get one email. Uh, or tweet at us with your questions. 
hashtag, you know, uh, PBN Q&A, whatever. I don't know. You don't even, you don't even look at our email. Are you kidding me? I just looked at our email. Really? Did you, did you see the, yeah, po really? Boy, did you see the Po Boys Emporium? What? You did not see the Po Boys Emporium then. Oh, that thing you emailed to me? No, 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 no. Um, our, we are going to have exclusive merch that we're going to show off at Star Wars Celebration, Po'Boy Nation merch, merchandise. And, yeah, you emailed this to my personal email. It's fine. And you are going to be able to see that. Uh, we're going to have an online store set up for all of our listeners, um, to look at just for you all, but we're going to, we're going to kind of slow roll it. We're slow rolling it right now. It's going to be on Etsy. You're going to be able to get as much po'boy swag as you want. Because, honestly, all right, we already have our po'boy swag. I, mine just came in yesterday. Um, Josh, you've had yours for, what, a week now? Mm-hmm. People are talking about it. It's a real it's a real stop and turner, right? I sure. mean, Josh, you were telling me about how you went to get some of your um, supplement powder, right, um, <laughs> before you were working out. Um, and you normally get you know a couple whistles but people were also they weren't whistling at you anymore they were with they were just looking and then they were looking at all the different thing all the different hashtags we have on our merch mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so if you if you want to i mean right now uh we're you know in spring we're going to be in that summer and if you want to have a cool shirt to you know get swollen to get that beach bod po'boy's merch is where it's going to be at so we're going to have how much am i getting from this how much money? Yeah, what's my cut? What's what's your cut? <clears throat> yeah, so, what's my cut? So, uh, this week we are talking about my logo episode so. episode um, twenty two, No Escape Part Two. I'll settle for fifty one percent. Speaking 51%. of the road to celebration, also before we get to that, before you derailed us with your weird little money wandering scheme. Um, um, no, it, it's they have. A, we're providing a product. How it's much called, am I getting it's called, of that? it's called grill marketing. You'll get whatever is you know given to you, and you'll like that. Okay. I mean, it was my logo, so I mean, it was whatever. Uh, this is. I mean, li listeners, this is a classic um, dilemma between the producer and the artist, um, the distributor and the artist. So, I mean, I don't remember giving anybody permission to uh, use my logos over oh, t-shirts. I, I, oh, I, mean, I don't remember signing anything. I don't remember yeah, that any was, of that. Uh, so you, thought it was an you thought it was an autograph. Hmm. That was when you had that uh, that autograph I, I told you to sign. I would never sign an autograph for you. Oh, it wasn't for me. It was for Oscar. Uh, mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, so you got tricked. Makes sense. Um, so, Josh, you got sense. bamboozled. Uh, what's your last thing on Celebration? Let's get into this episode. So, yeah, Celebration, I finally pulled the trigger on some autograph tickets. Singular, got my Ahmed Best autograph ticket. So, gonna get a big giant Phantom Menace poster. Get that bad boy signed. Thinking I might also try and meet Ray Park and get him to sign a Phantom Menace poster. That'd be pretty cool. So, it's gonna be time to start thinking about that stuff, folks. I believe autographing pre-orders, which are at Star Wars Authentics. I don't know if it's .com or whatever. Uh, I think the pre-sale ends at like April 9th or something like that. So, and they're announcing, they've been announcing new guests on like Wednesdays and Fridays. It mm -hmm. seems is when the, in the new folks, I think the last round of guests was like Bobby Moynihan and a, a few other folks. So yeah, yeah. Start thinking about that. And then, uh, you know, now that I'll be flush with cash from this new business venture, 
Might get even uh, maybe more tickets. We'll see. So you have not gotten the Christopher Sean tickets yet, then? Have you? Well, I you're the, you're the. I don't veteran know why we need to get tickets because Christopher is our close personal friend. To support him financially. Right, 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 right. Okay, so I guess we'll talk about that off pod. Now, um, sixty-eight percent. I'm thinking probably sixty-eight percent. You're gonna get thirty percent, and you'll be just happy you got thirty percent. For record. So, I don't, you, you shouldn't be getting anything. I'm Me? more concerned with that. No. You shouldn't be getting any of it. Oh, I get all of it. You shouldn't get a single dime. Oh, I'm getting so many dimes. You haven't done anything about it. Um, Here, I'm going to, I'm going to actually <clears throat> calculate how many dimes I'm going to get. The, the best I could say about your involvement in this um, sweater with a logo that I made is you're like um, Paul Giamatti in Straight Out Compton. What's up with you and these references our listeners aren't going to get? Nobody's Spanner. seen Straight Out of Compton. How come? How come? It's not a popular movie. Straight oh, Out of really? Out of Compton. Oh, really? Movie. All right, Straight Out of Compton was not a popular movie. Straight Out of Compton. Let's see. Ah, I mean, for its budget, I mean, Straight Outta Compton's not a popular movie. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, okay, all right. I mean, budget, $50 million, box office, 200 So, I mean, huh, it's not... Interesting. Like... Interesting. Yeah, one to five movie. It's okay. not, a, it's right, not a Captain Marvel... All right, Pete. Is it Escape Room? Is it as big as Escape Room? Is it, uh, nobody I mean, knows what that escape, movie is, and nobody has ever talked about it, and is not part of any kind of conversation it, about anything, escape, and never the captured the zeitgeist. Was, nobody talked about the, was it at the, all. Was the talk if of the town in January? Joined Letterboxd. I would have never even wow. known it existed. One hundred forty-one million. And I am actually for a nine million good dollar at budget. movies and knowing about them. How, how are you good at movies? There's not. You're, uh, it's you're not, pretty self-explanatory. Sixty-seven uh, percent. No, that's down. Sixty, seventy percent. It's gonna be seventy percent. So good at movies. Look, idiot! You want to start this stupid episode or what? I tried to start five minutes ago. Look, for every marathon yesterday, I'm sore. I'm tired. I'm over it. I'm good at movies. I am good at movies. Good. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So this is episode. Like some people, I know. Twenty-one. This was a good episode. Um, <laughs> um, so the description is: Following the destruction of Hosnian Prime and other systems, Kaz and Yeager lead the forces of the Colossus into battle with the First Order. And listeners, if you'll remember off the tail of last episode, this one picks up right where I left off, which is that we get that nice little crossover with Force Awakens. We see Donald Gleason's um, Hux deliver his fancy little uh, inspired speech. And then... So we pick up with that, and we talked about last week how whenever the main character in a Star Wars movie or TV show goes through turmoil like this they immediately overreact and then jump into action so Mm -hmm. think anakin when his mother died wiped out um, all the sand people um when luke watches obi-wan dies he continues the fire until uh, han physically yanks him away and kaz 
is, I mean, he immediately yells, at, um, but he has a little bit more um, control. Restraint. Yeah, restraint. And at following in the footsteps of another great hero in this mythos, in a very similar situation, Leia, who, albeit is, you know, she didn't have a blaster handy or anything like that, but, I mean, she sees her plan to blow up and pretty much has to take it and... and collects herself quick enough to, to escape the Death Star and all that stuff. But That's yeah, we interesting. Had, there was no violent there was no violent outburst out of Kaz, which was cool. And it um I actually had me, a different view on the Leia parallel. And I'll, oh yeah? I'll 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 show you the scene where I, I thought of it. So you're saying you saw that from Kaz. I I saw it from a different character, but I'll that's a little tease for later on in the episode. Mm-hmm. So you were saying Josh? Uh, I I liked Kaz's reaction here because it he's all you know another arguably another thing it echoes is um, Luke's decision in Return of the Jedi to not you know murder his dad. Um, it's a, it's the decision not to fight. It's the decision to not enter into conflict. Which of course later in the episode is totally thrown out the window because I mean Kaz is fighting people and entering the conflict conflict all over the place. But in that moment poised with something super traumatic and uh, given every excuse and every temptation to react extremely and just start blasting, he is able to, to collect himself enough. And that decision in that moment of intensity to not fight is usually something in Star Wars that we only see given to characters that live within the, the Force, you know, the Force-centric narratives. It's characters that are trying to seek balance between the light side and the dark side, and are Jedi, or Jedi-ish, or Sith. It's these types of characters that we so often get to see um, deciding not to fight, or deciding to fight, or to give in to temptation, or not to give in to temptation. So to see it here with a character who's, you know, for lack of a better word, just a guy... You know, he's, there's no lightsaber in Kaz's future. He's not meditating. He's not, you know, he doesn't have a master teaching him all these grand ways in which the universe works. But to see that same conflict play out in a character like Kaz, who's a lot more like you or I, I, I found really endearing. And then there's also, later in the episode, we similarly have a character go through a sort of decision that is something that is usually reserved for four sensitive characters as well. But we'll touch on that later. So what did you think about... Kaz's emotional reaction when he realized that his parents, his friends, his family were all wiped out. Because I don't, I think the Torah wasn't, the acting on Torah wasn't particularly great. I think, I think what we run into is the limitations of the fact that that it is still a show geared toward younger people. And I think they're, you know, I don't think they want to make kids cry. Mm-hmm. Which, like, if we're playing this realistically, if you're seeing this in a Star Wars movie, perhaps, though even not really, because we saw it in a Star Wars movie, we saw this exact thing happen in a Star Wars movie, you might really kind of play up, my mom and dad are dead. In this, they move along very swiftly, because I was really kind of hoping to get a little bit more insight into this, because... In my mind, this whole sequence is brushed over so quickly in Force Awakens, and you you don't really get to even understand what it means. I mean, when I was re-watching Force Awakens for this whole 7 to 8 thing that I did recently, 
I grew to realize that I truly think that there is a version of Force Awakens that is almost identical, but Starkiller base is just like the base they're on, and it's not a super weapon, and they never blow up any planets. Mm-hmm. Like it, that event, that whole event is still so nebulous to me in terms of what it meant, what emotional impact the movie wanted me to feel from it, because it, not a lot. I mean, they have that one shot the only time you see the planet it's a bunch of people you've never seen staring death in the face which is harrowing for sure and i mean i don't want a bunch of innocent people to die or whatever but there's not enough to emotionally invest me in it so i i really thought in this episode we might get dive a little deeper into that and we do to an extent and kaz gets you know to be kind of shocked and and distraught but then the show moves along at a pretty good clip after that and i mean he doesn't he doesn't really have time to ruminate on it. And I guess to me, I write it off as like, he is not in the situation. I mean, much like Leia, we talk about Leia. Leia doesn't have time to mourn Alderaan. She's got to get off this freaking Death Star, get these stupid plans back to her home base. I'm sure there's a scene that we are never privy to after the Death Star is blown up and she's able to like wash the trash compactor off of her and change it to some pajamas and sit in a room (laughs) where she's like, this sucks, but we don't... In that moment, you know, she's she's so she's going, she's going, she's going, she's going. And I think Cass similarly is like, I'm going, I gotta go. Like he has that moment, Tora snaps him out of it, and then it's like business, business, business. And he touches on it again with Yeager for a little bit, and we get a little more out of that, but we really never get like like they're not giving Christopher Sean his Oscar scene here. Like they're not giving him the monologue where they're like, This is gonna get you the gold, baby. He doesn't really get to yeah. uh to sing see too much into that. But I think that's Partially because it is a show for kids, it is a younger skewing show, it is a 22-minute show that has to move along. So, I would also I would say the only thing I would add is the Halcyon Prime getting wiped out in Episode 7 is supposed to be a parallel to Alderaan getting knocked out. Right. um, With, you know, differences. And in Episode 4, we never see the people of Alderaan. We, you know, find out later through consequent video games through tv show books comics etc what that all meant but back then it was just oh this planet's gone you know all those people wiped out in a second mm-hmm. in episode seven i mean you you have a more recent view of this than i do mm-hmm. but it's just leia what having to lean against a ship because of all of the death that she's just felt no, I don't think. No, that's after that's after Han, Han's died. Han that dies. That's okay. I, we don't see her at all until she shows up on on Takodana. Okay, um, so we literally only see Finn, Ray, and Han watching. Right. Yeah. Okay. Other than that shot of the people staring down the laser, and I, I go ahead. And they don't have a. The three of them don't have a personal connection to it. Yeah. I mean, Han would be the closest because. Um, I guess you could presume I'd have to get a double check on this. I mean, he's a travel that, dude. That he's he, the only one of those people no, no, that, that he like, used to, li- that there. he used to live there. Yeah. 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 But I also, well, actually, I, well maybe not because Hosnian prime is not the permanent capital per Pablo Hidalgo's reference book. The, the new Republic Senate changes every session in a different planet or whatever. Yeah. 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 So, um, to piggyback off of that, I'll say, you don't, you know, comparing it to Alderaan, you get everything you need to get from Alderaan being blown up 
from Alderaan Braun being blown up. Like, you know it's Princess Leia's home, uh, and you know that that's where they're trying to get. But other than that, what Alderaan exploding serves is it's a planet being blown up, and it shows the might of the villains, and it shows the ruthlessness of the villains. But there's no other meaning to be extrapolated from that. I mean, later on we learn that Bail Organa was there, so we have some sort of personal stake, but that's not... There's no, there's nothing beyond the explosion of Alderaan as seen in A New Hope that's vital to understanding why it's bad that that planet blew up. Whereas with Hosni and Prime blowing up in Episode 7, I, we're supposed to believe that, like, the entire status quo of a galaxy, the status quo of which we do not comprehend yet, has been undone. But we don't... We're never given enough information, I think still even from Resistance, to totally get the significance of that. But the movie plays it off as if we do. Like, it's supposed to be like, that's it. There's no one left to fight at all because five planets got blown up. And so now it is up to these people on Dakar. And that is the only people. And from a narrative standpoint, it's supposed to convince you, oh, this is why there's, you know, only a few X-Wings, even though there's an entire galaxy, and for 30 years there's supposed to have been a New Republic, but five planets got blown up, so it's just these X-Wings, just like in A New Hope. Mm-hmm. I have issues with this whole thing. I always have, but... I think that's just that we want to know more, and, you know, J.J. Abrams is very specific in wanting to just say you should be able to understand the story and not know or not need to know the background of each and everything. Just like in new hope, you didn't know what the Senate was. You didn't know what it was comprised of. Um, you didn't yeah. know the, the extent of the rebellion. Um, she didn't need to, because that's a, that whole movie is an introduction. Whereas episode seven is a reaction and it's a follow up. I don't know. We could talk about this all day, but we're here to talk resistance. We have, Kaz is able to break it. Kaz and Tor are able to break up Jer- Yeager and Doza. Who never end up having that conversation or that scene together that I was hoping for. Oh, about, you know, ones in the rebellion, ones in the resistance. Just anything. Just any guy. I just like those two characters. And I, I thought having the two of them locked in a room together was would would be fodder for an interesting conversation. But again, this is that's not a prestige drama. It's a 22 minute, you know. Yeah, and, so. and the way that they're sched- the way that they're directing season two, I mean, it's inevitable that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, this so, is true. Um, Niku is able to figure out a plan to get the sh- um, Colossus in the air, which is basically flooding each section and then sucking people out of each section, flushing the water from the yeah. ship and yeah. the stormtroopers yeah. with it. Tora and Kaz just basically play like a game of like death tag <laughs> uh, with all these stormtroopers. Um, I'm very excited. I don't think we're going to get to see it, but we are, I, I would. Um, there's the Sarvo fish, which is that shark that keeps eating uh, the okay. stormtroopers. Yeah, um, I would definitely. The ones that they didn't just straight up drown. Uh-huh. Um, I would love to buy like one of those as a plushie, like a dog toy for my, for my dog. <laughs> but those things were very cool. I think that's our first non sentient shark that we we've seen in star Wars. 
Not that there are a lot oh. of, you know. <laughs> the ones in Clone Wars, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> the Caradontids or whatever they were. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, we have those. Yeah, none of the sea creatures in Phantom Menace are, are shark-ish at all. So, yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't even sense. begin to remember what that the, the main well, monster is. you have your crab anglerfish thing. You have your big alligator barracuda-looking fella. And then you have your big giant four-legged mammal monster thing. And yet none of them rise up to the surface to kill all of the Gungans. They're perhaps deep-sea creatures. And they perhaps do not want to suffer decompression sickness. The Benz is more than just a Radiohead album. I've told you this. Every year, come swim season. So the only other thing we get is we get um, one of the Shell a Day, one of the Turtle People gets named, and that's a Vilpak. Mm. Now, Josh, you might have noticed that this episode was um, a higher quality than the last episode. And do you know why that is? Uh, the Great no. Blue Creep was cut for time. Oh, uh, I wish you wouldn't have said that, though. I was kind of just hoping Great Blue Creep died. I was hoping that it accidentally got flushed out with the stormtroopers and never see. After her Kaz again. tackles her to get out of the way of the crashing waves, um, Garma, the great blue creep, would have pinched his cheek and called him, quote, an adventurous one. Uh, why did you tell me that? That's pretty bad. Uh, great blue creep. Uh, great blue creep. Yeah, so they're, you know. Drowning people, shooting them out left and right. Uh, Kaz and Tora. I like seeing Tora in action now. She's getting a you know around, punch people, pop them on the head, and all that stuff. I yeah, I like her character more now that she's allowed to go out of her bedroom and you know do more than play with her dog. It's pretty cool. I, I have high hopes for that character in uh, in future episodes. Um, they did just straight up murder people, and while they're doing that. Tora and Kaz are, are doing that. Yeager and Doza are going to kind of the hub, There's Doza's little office, to, I guess, launch it, right? I don't know. They have to do something. There's some MacGuffin in there they got to get to. And let me tell you, I'm watching this show, and I'm thinking, gee, you got two older father figures? Which one of these guys is going to die first? But neither of them did. Mm-hmm. I was thinking this one of them's gonna die. We didn't have a single. I didn't want either of them to die. We didn't have a single named character die. But in episode in the first season of Rebels, we didn't have that either. Uh, not true. But no spoilers for those of you who haven't watched it yet. It's their fault. But there's a there's a there's a death in the season one finale. So a pretty cool one. While Kaz and um, Tora are basically sucking and plucking. Some stormtroopers, um, Pyre and Agent Tierney, um, basically are just gonna leave, and they're like, "We're done. We don't need to be here anymore." Yeah, and Tierney is still bugging Tam, convincing her that uh, Tamra. Yes, yes, that's right, Tamra, Tamra, as Tierney calls her. So that's all. This and this episode does very much come come about the heart and mind of Tam and whether she will with the first order how because many, in the, i think it was the last episode they said you can come pilot with us yeah um how many people in your life call you joshua <clears throat> not you for starters yeah i know but like people mm-hmm. 
when you're in a work set um, setting, do people immediately call you Joshua or do they just say over email? Over email, they do Joshua. Okay. Yes. Because if I'm like, if I'm Tam and somebody's calling me by like a formal name all the time, is that like a, I wish people would call me by my formal name or does that just show that there's a disconnect emotionally and um, individually between that? I think I'm, you know, extrapolating here, but based on what we've seen from Tam so far in this season, she definitely has a lot of respect for authority. And I think Tierney being an authority figure, calling her by her full name just kind of lends Tierney an air of, you know, uh, officialness or, you know, it, it, it furthers that sense of like, I'm an authority figure. I am something from higher up. I will not go so low as to call you a nickname that is beneath me. You know, that kind of thing. Putting on airs, I feel like, is, is what Tierney's doing there. Yeah, I, I, I think I would agree with that take. So Tierney and Pyre are like, we're leaving. Um, we're going to, let's get to the ship. And, and call reinforcements. Because I was confused. They were like, call reinforcements, but also we're leaving. But that's what they were doing. They're evacuating the station, but calling in. So, I mean, it's interesting. There's a little bit of a disconnect, I feel, with, in the whole, this whole season, they're like, why do they want this area? We still don't really know. I mean, I think we got all that we're going to get so far as that goes. They just want a fueling post between the uh, wild space and, you know, the galaxy proper. But do they, and I guess they don't need the Colossus for that. They just need that, like, hyperspace lane, right? Like, they seemed very willing to, like, destroy the colossus when oh i don't think so i don't get the heck out of here so we don't get killed we're coming back with this big giant star destroyer well so they do start shooting it but i don't i mean they i don't until that ship threatens to leave they don't they're not going to destroy it or anything yeah i don't know though because you could argue well why didn't they just send in some super secret first order guys to ground the ship or to stop it so yeah i don't know yeah that's so, a good point that's a fair point it's it's something that we don't get super well explained at the end. But it is also like at this point, as opposed to the start of the season, they've just had their largest moment of triumph. They've just blown up five planets. So whereas like a month ago, it's like, no, we need this fueling station. Now it's like, you know what? Keep your little fueling station. See where you can land that we can't get you type of deal. Mm-hmm. You know, newfound confidence in their in their footing. So they're withdrawing. Um, Doza and Yeager have retaken the operational center. And by retake, I mean they just hide in a corner until... Until they leave. Yeah. yeah. And Doza's like, I'm getting this thing airborne. And Yeager's like, I don't give a, I don't give a crap. I'm going after Tam. Yeah. So we have on one side our casting crew. Um, Doza lets out the aces at one point. Um, yes, yes. Which is pretty cool. And mm-hmm. then we have um, basically like two... Well, no, no, no. It's There's a sequence to it. We have um, Kaz and Yeager going to the top of the ship to cut off Tam. Well, Kaz and Tam are up on a... Or Kaz and Tora are up on a balcony overlooking the landing strip that Tam and company are about to leave on the First Order landing craft from and then Yeager is at a platform slightly below that 
and thus ensues the battle for Tam's soul, which I kind of found a little frustrating because she's, I mean, I, you know, she's saying like, you lie to me, you put me in danger. I can't trust you. And I mean, she's saying so we get the most insight into why she is as upset about this as it gets. And it does come down to like, you promised me a better life. You told me that I was going to fly this ship. Like my whole life's work has been fixing this ship up so I can fly. Then this weirdo comes in out of nowhere is a goofball and you're constantly sending him out on this ship and you totally cut me out. Not only that, you were part of this group of dissidents yeah. against the First Order, a group that I agree with. Right, or if at, at the very least, don't, yeah, do not see as an active threat. Yeah. Um, so that, I, I totally understand all that, and then unfortunately, you know, here we go, the big moment is she does decide to, to leave with the First Order, um, which, as I was saying earlier, is is now again, we're having a character without the confines of the force, without that kind of mythology around it, being given an extraordinary decision to make and turning to the dark side, so to speak. But this is without, you know, the lightsaber, without the crystals, without, you know, murdering a bunch of younglings or whatever. It's a more everyday, so to speak, within the context of Star Wars, turning to the dark side. So that, that, was, that was pretty cool. It's, it's interesting to see how these sorts of traditional pivoting points in Star Wars narratives are told without the force. But now here's the moment that I was talking about earlier. I think Yeager has the closer parallel to Leia because he has lost more than Kaz has. And I mean, at this point, they've lost about the equivalent. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that. Yeah, I feel like that's a little up for debate. I feel like that's a comparison you're not going to want to start making. Like, oh, is it worse to have your mom and dad and your whole planet blow up? Or is it worse to have your wife and kid killed? Like, I think they both lost a lot. Yeah. Kaz just lost it. Yeah. But the idea is that he just lost Tam, who, you know, she was like your father to me. And it seems like it seems the same way um, for both of them. And he just has to keep moving. And um, that's what Leia does. You know, when Leia loses somebody, when she loses her planet, when she loses her son, when she Mm. loses her husband, um, when she gets shoved into space, (laughs) each and every time she, you know, steps up. And, you know, we see with Yeager, he does something very similar of, you know, losing somebody that's extremely important to him that he went out of the way to try and save. And then Mm. he has to jump into action. Now, I will note yeah. from this scene, we get to see probably the coolest um, CB23 moment. Yeah, that was pretty great. Yeah, that was pretty great. I would rank this like one four of, tentacles. What the heck? I would rank this as like one of the top five droid action moments in the, Star, pretty in, solid. In the Star Wars universe. I mean, it's pretty solid. I'm not, and you know me, I'm not a big droid guy. I'm not a big droid guy. So I. Um, and he say he saves Torah. Or she saves Torah. CB twenty three saves yeah. saves Torah. And saves Torah, knocks some troopers off of the yeah. Off the so that balcony there. That, yeah. that was very very cool. Yes, but look, back to what I'm saying about this whole Tam thing. We gotta talk about this whole look. This whole time they're like Tam, please don't go with them. Tam, they're bad. Tam, we're good. And she's like, you lied. And they're like, yes, we did. Blah blah blah. And back and forth, back and forth, all these excuses, yada yada. Not once, no one considers just being like, hey, Tam, they blew up my planet. 
They murdered my family just now. That never comes up. That is never in the discourse. The whole time, Kaz doesn't think to go, damn, you can't go with them. They murdered my parents five minutes ago. It's fine. It's whatever. Well, not only that, but like, you know, if I'm Kaz, as soon as I see them, I'm like, shoot, que- I'm shoot first, ask questions second. Right? Because at the, at the very beginning, they don't see those four stormtroopers behind Kaz and Tora. Right? There's not stormtroopers behind Yeager. It's literally just Pyre and uh, Tur- Tyranny. And then, you know, it's three on two. And they have the element of surprise. Well, no, because they're walking into a, you know, a giant first order landing craft that has guns on it. I mean, they're outgunned just by the presence of that ship. Yeah, but I mean... I don't know. I, th- I feel like Kaz has proven himself to somebody not to go off guns blazing. Though, I mean, we do know he is emotionally compromised. But yeah, it's just once once again, I feel like Hosmian Prime is downplayed. And I... I mean, not, nothing against anyone. It's just I, I can't have a hard time believing that that point never would have come up in that whole discourse for Tam's soul there. That it never would have occurred to anyone to be like, they blew up a planet. It's not even a matter of they said it, and then Tierney was like, that's not true. We didn't do that. They've lied about everything. They're probably lying to you about this. Not even that. They just, it just never comes up, and I can't. it just feels like such an omission, and I can't... I'm sure in the writer's room they came up with a reason for why it didn't come up or what the motivations for it not coming up was, but to me, I just the whole time that scene was unfolding... I was waiting for that moment, thinking like this is gonna, you know, this is gonna be the big emotional climax here. Is Kaz once again having to be like, I just lost my whole entire family; these people murdered them, but it never came, and they never, they never brought it up, mm-hmm. never brought it up. Yeah, I mean, if I had to look at it, I'd say Yeager and Kaz. If you had to divide their screen time talking to Tam, it was probably eighty twenty. Eighty Yeager. Yeah. 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 That's true. Um, and but, I mean, I, even Yeager. And I guess Yeager didn't see it happen, but he heard it. I mean, he knows it happened. Yeah. I don't, it's crazy to me that neither that even Yeager wouldn't be like, damn, these aren't good guys. They just blew up a planet. Yeah. So. I don't know. She chooses to go with them, which yep. you thought, correct me if I'm wrong, you thought she would turn to the good guys this episode. I thought she would stick with them. Yes. Yeah. And then I said that there was an option where she would stay with the First Order so that we get more, like, of a better perspective from a main character. So... Yeah. um, But I wasn't, like, 100% on that. So that's... I mean, we're going to obviously see that next season. Um, She's going to be, you know, part of whatever First Order strike group is going to be chasing after um, the Colossal. Oh, is she? Is that inside info? Oh, oh crap! I would. <clears throat> um, you know what? I mean, I've done it before. I'll just release. I'll just release seven other facts about next oh, season, okay. and uh-huh. five of them will be true, and the two that will be false. You'll have to decide, listeners. Smart, 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 smart. So, the colossal, the colossus is in the air. Yes. After Tam leaves, this huge climax starts happening. This big third act dogfight. We do finally see the Colossus revealed as the least aerodynamic structure I have ever seen in my life. At first, it looks like 
a Star Destroyer going in reverse out of the ocean. Yep. yep. So you think, oh, it just pointed nose down. But actually, it just, the, the, what would be like the bottom of a Star Destroyer is the front of it. Yep. So it's like you have a football and then you turn it 90 degrees and then you throw it like that. It's like throwing a water bottle pointed vertically. It's quite a quite a feat of engineering. Um, I mean, it looked great. It looked great. No, and I get it. Star Wars. I'm not. I'm not actually. This is not something I'm actually like. Oh, what the heck, guy? But I found it funny that it was like clearly the least aerodynamic thing I've ever seen in my life. Well, one interesting thing about um, this ship is we also we don't know who designed it yet. We don't know how it got onto Castellon yet. No, but we learn that it hasn't been mobile in 20 years, so presumably it has been on Castellon for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, now, here's a prediction that I'm pretty confident in. Mm-hmm. In the final battle in Episode 10, sorry, in Episode 9, you will see this ship in the background. Yeah, I don't know. I would be very surprised if we don't see this ship in the background in episode nine. We'll see. Very, very surprised. We'll see. We'll see. Now, this is not like the ghost where we knew the ghost was going to be there before the show ever premiered and it was given multiple time to get put into Rogue One. But um, if I had to make like a, a comp- if I, I if I was betting on this, I would I would be feeling pretty good about this bet. Hmm, hmm, hmm. So we get to see an awesome dogfight. Yeah, we do. With yeah, we do. The Aces and Kaz and um, Yeager. Yep. Which is pretty cool. Um, the the dogfight was one of the I would say one of the coolest scenes that we've seen in Star Wars animation in terms of dogfights. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm confident saying it's my probably my favorite sequence this show has delivered so far. It was my favorite scene in this show. I mean, it was a heck of a, I mean, and it's multiple parts, but the um, well, so as we speculated previously, the pirates also show up, and I love that pirate ship so so much. It is so cool. It looks fantastic, and so just the wide view of you have this, you know, giant ship ascending from the ocean. While TIE fighters and all these different cool-looking jets, you know, flying all over the place, shooting at each other with that incredible pirate ship, shooting real like cannons and stuff was it was it was primo Star Wars, folks. Mm-hmm. It was primo Star Wars, and in all the madness, you Kaz doing his real piloting, and we've talked about all the different hats Kaz has tried on this year. He's been a humanitarian aid worker. He's been sort of a spy. He's been. Kind of a mechanic. He's been a little bit of a detective. And now, in this final episode, he puts on his greatest hat of all. Murderer! <laughs> He's been a murderer once in a while. Shoots, he shoots Major Von Reg out of the sky. Goodbye. So that's a named character. Goodbye to that red-armored fella who I'm pretty sure we never even saw his face. But he had a cool ship, and he had cool armor. They made an action figure out of him. That's something. He's dead, and Kaz did murder him. 
and a pretty cool sequence where he's like flying inside sort of the Colossus, and it was that was cool. It was a great dogfight. I love that pirate ship. Yeah, I mean, we get to see some pretty cool fights from um, Kaz. We see some good stuff from Tora. It really bodes well if season two of Star Wars Resistance becomes Battlestar Galactica, where it's this... That's that's exactly... I'm just like, oh, it's it's Battlestar Galactica now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's exactly like Battlestar Galactica dozes freaking... Adama, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to see, you know, oh, the First Order has found us. Tamra is after us. Get the aces oh, out. Oh, gosh, and that's great, because also, like, that whole sequence in Last Jedi with the active tracking, everybody's just like, this is just the first episode of Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. Where the fleet escapes, but they keep finding them every, like, 43 or 44 minutes or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure, I mean, if the show's proven anything, it's that... I'm horrible at predicting what it will do, so I'm sure whatever status quo it arrives at in the premiere will shift pretty rapidly. But yeah, definitely some Battlestar vibes from the end there. Oh, that's another thing that um, we had some predictions on of where the coordinates were um, that Kaz received. Oh, yeah. Turns out it was the most straightforward answer, which is where Leia was at that exact moment. (laughs) Yeah. Because we thought it was going to be where they were going from where they were supposed to be going in eight. Yeah. And, yep, uh, yep. it did not... it's Dakar. Yeah. So, which is the planet that the, the resistance base is on in force awakens. Yeah. Well, that'll be kind of awkward if we, in season two, you know, they get to the, their like random place, right. That, um, Niku sends them and then mm-hmm. they finally make it to Dakar and they're like, nobody's here. And, <laughs> right. Right. That, it, that it would be awkward. I mean, it just like that—that's the logical step, right? Is they spend all this time trying to get to. Oh, Dakar. that's true. They still have the coordinates. Yeah. They just put them in again. Yeah. That's a very good point. So presumably, wherever they end up, will they'll find something out? I don't know. I don't know because that's the other thing. Is like, I swear, I know I happen this all the time. Very quickly, it's just like I don't understand the extent of the First Order takeover, and I don't understand the extent of the First Order's military forces in The Last Jedi in the beginning, and I have no idea what the extent of their forces is at the end, but it could be, if you wanted to explain that to me, that wherever they hop out of hyperspace, the First Order takeover is so swift and so absolute that it's very clearly immediately apparent to them, and that it's like, no, the Resistance is destroyed, and they're like, oh, we can't go to Dakar. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, we... The most we know is from Resistance itself, where Kaz is like, if this is true, they have more than the New Republic fleet. Yeah, but I mean, if there's anything we learned from Clone Wars, it's that just because there's no centralized military force, I mean, so many planets throughout Clone Wars have their own militaries. You know, Champs and Dula and all those Twi'leks on that whole planet, like, that's its own military. So it's not like, like, just because the First Order has a huge giant military doesn't mean, okay, we win. Mm-hmm. We got everything now. Everything's ours. Goodbye. Game over. Oh, so, my gosh. You just remind, reminded me that we're definitely going to have some episode in Star Wars Resistance where they go to where the Twi'leks live. If you say so. They they, they go, like, every, every single... <laughs> they focus on it and everything. They're like, oh, let's go here. We got we to gotta see what the Twi'leks are up to. Oh, their lives <laughs> suck. If you say so. They did it once in all of Clone Wars. 
And then they did it a few times at Rebels because one of the main characters was Twi'lek. Oh, no. They did it. They had one arc, and then they had a standalone episode in Clone Wars. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. I remember that episode. So f- you're right. That changes everything. That changes everything. That one extra episode. And then they had a Vader book dedicated to it. Yeah, but books is books. Look, what I'm trying to say is, so Listen, all these nerds, dog fights books is happening. Is books. And then eventually, look, books is books. I'm very good at movies. Star Destroyer comes out. These are the reinforcements. For the record, I didn't misspeak. I meant to say I'm good at movies. I stand by it. I'm good at movies. <laughs> You're acting like I said something. Like, I didn't cross wires and mean to say I'm good at oh, watching movies. I meant to say I'm good at movies. And I stand by it. And so those reinforcements they were calling for show up in the form of a very cool Star Destroyer. And they're like, oh, we got to go. So all the ships and even the pirate ship hop on board the Colossus and they jump into hyperspace out of there. But Niku's like, I'm silly Billy. I didn't put in the whole coordinate. So I have no idea where we're heading. Cut to classic exit from Star Wars movie. As the Aces and some pirates and Team Fireball. And Kellen Kellen Ela too. What is that? Um, the children of oh Kel and Ela. I thought you said. Ela. I thought that you were saying one name. Um, yeah, those those ragamuffins looking out at the hyperspace from the dock window door or whatever, and scene, and that's that's that. Um, so th- we are left with the good folks of the Colossus and the pirates that were previously plaguing them, stuck on one ship. Heading through hyperspace to an unknown destination into an uncertain future. That'll probably look a little bit like Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. And because there is no longer any sort of Rebels Recon type show like there was during Star Wars Rebels, we don't we don't really have anything to go on for next season. Yet, I mean we'll get it soon enough. They'll have something as Star Wars Celebration. More to follow on that. We are not gonna talk about that. Uh but it used to be Rebels Recon was like the YouTube after show where they would kind of go behind the scenes. And every finale of Star Wars Rebels, they wouldn't do like a whole trailer or like a bunch of information. But at the very least, they would have like one very intriguing piece of concept art for the next season to get you kind of, oh, what's going to happen here? We got nothing. Mm-hmm. Buckets list. It wasn't a buckets list. It wasn't even, ah. it wasn't even buckets list. Oh, great boot creeps aren't really that. Buckets list. I miss Andy Gutierrez. I want Resistance Recon, please. Okay. Anyway. Oh, and Bucket was in this episode, speaking of his silly little list. Oh, uh, yeah, Bucket was in. He, uh, he was uh, with Yeager as Yeager was taking people out, but still needed. Oh, that too. Still needed Kaz's help. Yep. Um, I will say one last thing that I have. I remember when we were doing that episode on the Aces and that little trailer, we were talking about, oh, Griff, this Griff fella, clearly ex-Imperial. It'll be interesting to see his loyalties tested when it comes time to, like, is he loyal to the First Order? Maybe do that. Nope. No questions about it. Get in that TIE fighter, shoot him. Fight him. Who cares? Mm-hmm. So I felt like that was maybe a little bit of a missed opportunity. Like, we spent a lot of episodes treading familiar ground, like, reminding us that Tam doesn't trust Kaz, and we never spent any time with any of the aces other than Hype, and even him, we only really got kind of oh, one Torah. or two episodes. I mean, we get a lot of Torah. 
I don't even think we got that much to wear, though. But yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that was a missed opportunity. I don't. I mean, I'm sure they could cover it in the future. And I just the fact that they that frame that that shot at the very end. I feel like maybe we could take that as a little bit of an indicator of you know who the principal cast will be going forward. And so hopefully in season two. We'll get some more information on those other aces, and maybe we can learn a little bit more about Griff and where his allegiances lied or why they are where they are. I mean, we know Doza left the Empire. Did Griff leave the Empire? Did the Empire just fall and he had no job? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Well, he's not, a great, good he's not a great pilot either. No, he's really not. He's no Bo Keevil, but he's not great. And Bo Keevil's not that great of a pilot. Right, that's the point. He's not as bad as Bo Keevil. Yeah, they're both pretty bad. So. Thanks, kid. Yeah, there's That's my Griff impression. It's pretty good. I was like, "Oh, is Griff here?" Thanks, kid. <laughs> good job, kid. So, talking to you, Pete. We are going to cover. We're going to do a deeper dive in the uh, series as a whole. Yeah. Uh, um. Kind of a you know post game on the whole season. But what you're going to expect from the Po Boys and what you're going to get from us. For the next couple of weeks is we're going to gear up for Star Wars Celebration. So yes, the road to celebration. And then from there, um, you know, you're going to get some post celebration stuff and then we'll get a clear picture of what the Poe boys are going to be doing um, from here until. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. So if you want to reach us, um, Poe Boys Podcast is our Twitter it's also our um, Gmail accounts. We're also going to be getting an Instagram account soon, which is going to be Poboy's Podcast on Instagram. Uh, other than that, have a good one. Take it easy.